Welcome, one and all, to the Death-Defying Human Flycast. My name is Max Romero, and I'll be your host on this one-of-a-kind journey into the world of the superhero stuntman called The Human Fly. With me today to talk about the first issue of a two-part Human Fly story is the jet fuel to my rocket cycle, our very special guest, Rob Kelly. Rob, of course, is known to most of our listeners as one of the founders of the Fire & Water Podcast Network, as well as the host of many network shows, including Citizen Kane, Minute, Bot Dylan, For All Mankind, MASHcast, and I'm running out of breath. Thank you for being here, Rob. I'm I'm happy to hear be here, Max. All right, all right hold on, hold on one second. Right, I got. All right, I, I took my human fly mask off. There you go. Yeah, thank you. I'm very I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. That was a hell of an intro. <laughs> you what that just made me think. We need human fly mask masks. Oh, absolutely. You know? Oh, man, I got to get on that. How did Ben Cooper not make a human fly mask at the time? It would have been, the little cape and the stick would have been great. Oh, oh man, can you imagine just little kids just running around whacking each other with the baton? I'm climbing like, up buildings. <laughs> it's falling off. What, great. What could possibly go wrong? Awesome. <laughs> okay, so uh, Rob, like everybody so far, I think, uh, me talking about the human fly on that Mantlo podcast that we did as a as a group for the um, for the network that was your introduction to the human fly, right? Well, n- yes and no. I mean, I was certainly aware of the title, uh, and I oh, think okay. I might have even bought one at the time. But it was not a comic I saw a lot uh, <laughs> on the newsstands when I was a kid. And even if it had been, I wouldn't have. You know, again. Contrary to rumor, I didn't have all the money in the world to buy comic books, <laughs> so I would have had to pick and choose. So Human Fly definitely would have been, you know, <laughs> something yeah, I yeah. would have gotten a lot later. Uh, <laughs> but I will say, I have been buying Human Fly off of eBay and reading along with this show, <laughs> and I have new, I have a better appreciation for this title thanks to your show. Uh, someone has to evangelize for the Human Fly, I guess. Everybody, so, every hero needs a hero. So was it a mountain comic, or how did you? How did you come across the human fly when I, you were... I mean, I saw the ads and stuff, certainly. Mm-hmm. I mean, Marvel didn't miss a trick on that stuff. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, And uh, one of the f- things I found really interesting was in your first episode, uh, the talk about you know that human fly fit in with the whole Marvel licensing bonanza mm-hmm. that they went on. And to me, I'm like, that's a subject for a whole separate series of like the Marvel licensed characters, especially... In the like seventy six to like seventy nine, Marvel just was licensing everything. Yeah, they were just throwing yeah. money at everything, and so to me, the Human Fly is even more interesting when you put it in that context of like Tarzan and Shogun Warriors and Logan's Run and Star Wars. Like they were just trying everything they could to make to get something to pop. So, uh, like I said, I know I had at least one or two issues as a kid. I can remember having them because again, it was a comic book. I don't. <laughs> I, I bet. If I look back, one of them maybe was a Mount comic because it would have been that kind of thing of like, I'm kind right. of running out of comics to buy. He's like, oh, Human Fly. That'll, <laughs> all right. I'll spend 40 cents on that. Sure. 
Yeah, you know, that's, that's interesting about, about the, uh, the licensed comics because even among licensed comics, I mean, usually it was a show or a toy or, you know, something along those lines. And this really came to Marvel off the street. This was a, a guy who ran a charcuterie place and, and, a, and a mass stuntman walking into the Marvel offices and saying, hey, have we got an idea for you? And Marvel bit. It's the good old days of comics, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, I mean, and that is just so incredible to me that Marvel went, yes, this sounds like a fantastic idea. We're going to sell a million copies of this. Yep, 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 yep. I assume they probably couldn't afford Evil Knievel, but, you know, (laughs) but we got the human fly instead. It is kind of amazing when you think about it that there was never an Evil Knievel comic book, Mm -hmm. considering how much he was such a marketer of himself, even though he sucked mostly. But I mean, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, he just was, well, even as like a stunt guy, like he was constantly (laughs) bashing into things. Like he wasn't that good as a stunt (laughs) guy. He was very good at crashing, yeah. But he was a great marketer. And you would have think that that would have been, that he would have been happy to license himself as a comic book. I mean, I could see him walking into the Marvel office and being like, I should team up with Captain America. Like, I could totally see that. So, I don't know. Yeah, I'm glad the human fly got in there first. Then. Yeah. So, uh, overall, now that you've been reading along, what do you think of the human fly as a character? It's, I think it's a, f- okay. I think it's a fun premise. And I can also see that it was not built to run a really long time. And I don't mean that in any of an, in, in like an insulting way. I just mean having a guy whose identity you don't know. And it's kind of like he's surrounded by his agents and those are the people he get to like, there's an inherent limitation in that, like his, his setup and that what he's going to do and it, but not everything needs to run for 20 years. You know what I mean? Some things can, I mean, you know, if they had done the human fly in the eighties, it would have been a miniseries. Probably it would have been marketed as that, Mm -hmm. but it's, you know, back in the seventies, they didn't have such a thing. So it was like, all right, we just got to, let's just try it and see how long we can get out of it. But, um, I enjoy the premise. And as we'll talk about with this issue, like to me, (laughs) I understand that Marvel was never, ever going to allow the human fly to be his own thing. But to me, the least interesting parts of these comics so far that I've read, and I'm not reading too far ahead. I'm only on issue four. I'm reading them as you're releasing the episodes. Like to me, the least interesting part is when he sort of interacts with the craziness of the Marvel universe. Right. I kind of like it when he's off doing his own human fly thing and you've got the reporter trying to find his identity, all that stuff I like, but it's when he's, you know, meeting Ghost Rider. I'm like, all right, okay, I, I get it. It's the Marvel right. Universe. Everybody, every new character meets Spider-Man in their first issue. Like, that's just the way it works. <laughs> I think it's in Spider-Man's contract. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Spider-Man's like, all right, I'll be there. Where is it? All right. Shogun Warriors, fine. All right, where fine, do you need me to okay. be? All right. Yeah, I mean, I think there's enough craziness in the human flies world that he doesn't really need more. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and and it it's um it really kind of stands alone, and it's interesting that you mentioned that this might have been a miniseries because it would be, oh I don't know maybe four or five years later that um, Marvel really really kind of went in that direction with a lot of things. You know, there was the Beast and Dazzler mini yeah uh, oh yeah four issue miniseries. There was um, Wolverine got his own miniseries. Yeah, Wolverine Secret got War. his own miniseries. Yeah, they just I realized think- that they could market them as limited series. Yeah, you know, and so that, that um, I guess the human fight was right on the cusp of that. And maybe that would have worked better. Yeah, you know, because that it, better. Right, cause it's like the, the, the ongoing plot of the reporter. I know that that doesn't like last forever, but mm-hmm. like just the, the, the general conceit of human fly and, and all of it to me, it's unless they completely upended the concept 
has been known to happen in some comic books. There's just not like 50 stories to tell about the human fly, but that doesn't mean it's not interesting. And you right. could have gotten a good, like, you know, two year, one and a half year. Or actually, if you had, if Manlo was knew that he was going to write a year of it, he would have written it differently, probably, because they would have yeah. been like, all right, I don't know how long I have to stretch this out. I don't have to. I'll make it 12. So in the 12th issue, we'll find out who the human fly is, or maybe we won't. But it'll have a beginning, middle, and end. And the character can sort of be his own thing as opposed to constantly having to like be jammed into the craziness of the Marvel Universe, which happens big on this issue. Right. You know, but one thing that's great, that would have been great about that also is Mantlo was very good about writing definitive endings that were still open-ended just enough to uh, warrant another miniseries or to plug him in somewhere. No character that Mantlo ever worked on was ever completely gone. Right. And, uh, you know, that would have, I would have, of course, I would have loved that for the human fly. I would love to see the human fly again, but you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll have to see what the Remicheri family thinks about that. You know, it's, it's really interesting how this whole thing came together and what they were trying to do. And Manlo obviously had more stories to tell with the human fly. Cause you know, he didn't get that chance to wrap it up really. It, we'll, and we'll get into that as we go further down the line with these comics. But the, when the series ended, it seemed kind of to be a surprise to everybody. The story ends, you know, in that particular comic, and that is the end of the fly. Mm-hmm. And then that's, that's it. I would have liked to have seen what Mantle would have done if he had had a little more warning as far as, you know, okay, this is going to wrap up, figure out what you're going to do. And like you said, would he have unmasked the fly? Or would the fly have just retired, you know, <laughs> Spider-Man style with his mask hanging out of a garbage can, you know, walking <laughs> yeah. away? You know, it's, uh, you know, there were so many possibilities, and it's a shame that we never got to see that. And I may be selling Bill Mantlo short in that maybe he would have found a way to keep it going forever. I mean, this is a guy that managed to get 75 issues out of Rom the Space Knight, <laughs> right. you know, I mean, which was totally built to be a toy. I mean, completely built to be a toy tie-in. Mm-hmm. And he managed to get 70, 75, something like that. Maybe it's not 75, but it's close. It's like 60-something mm-hmm. issues of Rom the Space, a character with no mouth. He managed to get that. So maybe, maybe, maybe I'm selling Bill Mantlo. He was a great writer. Maybe mm-hmm. Bill Mantlo would have said, okay, you know what? We're going to end this storyline with the whole, the reporter chasing him. We're going to wrap that up and we're going to move on to something. We're going to turn the human fly into this other thing. Maybe right. he would have done it. We don't know. Maybe the fly would have become a micronaut. You never know. <laughs> it's possible. Uh, speaking of Bill Mantlo as a writer and his plotting and all, let's, let's get into the, uh, the summary of this comic which is a lot. <laughs> I'm going to warn people right now. <laughs> um, uh, as we mentioned, this was a, uh, this is the first part of a two part uh, story, which Rob will, you're, you're going to come back for uh, in another episode to, to wrap this up, but a lot happens in this first <laughs> issue. So uh, here is castle in the clouds. Also uh, on the cover referred to as to storm the fortress of fear. The writer is Bill Mantlo. Artist is Lee Elias. Don Perlin was the inker. The letterer was Irving Watanabe. Don Warfield was the colorist. And Archie Goodwin is the editor. This issue opens with a splash page of the human fly free climbing up a sheer cliff face to an ominous castle fortress at its summit. As the fly climbs, a bird-like form appears in the distance. As it gets closer, the fly sees it's a giant robot condor. Because, of course it is. (laughs) Marvel Universe. The human fly decides it's a drone of some sort, acting as both spy and security guard. Soon enough, the mechanical bird knocks the fly from the cliff. Falling, the fly still manages to twist himself into a position where he can grab the robot's wing. 
Even as the bird tries to shake him off, the human fly swings himself up and over onto the back of the drone. The fly uses his baton, yay, the baton, to jab and beat the condor until it goes dead. Using his all-too-human strength and his steel skeleton, he stretches the wings of the drone out so he can glide straight into the cliff face. Leaping to a nearby ledge, the human fly thinks back to what brought him here, a tank filled with hungry sharks. Flashing back, we see the fly underwater and chained by his legs to a huge stone block as two hungry sharks circle closer and closer. Outside, the fly stunt team, Blaze Kendall, Ted Locke, and Arnie Berman, are tense but confident, even as the promoter who hired them for the stunt frets, and muckraker Harmony White continues to try to prove the fly is nothing but a glory-seeking fake. Back in the shark tank, the fly uses the shark's attack to break an already weakened link in the chain and then uses his baton, yay, to deliver a small shock to one of the sharks. Standing above the shark's rearing head, the human fly is flipped up and out of the water to the cheers of the gathered crowd. Among the audience is David Dreer, the richest man in the state. We're not told which state, uh, so my own. We'll say Colorado. And single father to the young Alexandra. Dreer wants to hire the fly, not for a stunt, but to rescue his daughter, who has been kidnapped by thugs working for his rival, Marion Martinet. Martinet, a crooked financier, wants to keep Dreer from running for governor. Dreer wants to rid the state of undesirables, and Martinet is taking it personally. And I think I would too. Dreer knows Alexander has been kidnapped by Martinet and is now at his mountaintop fortress high in the Rockies. Dreer hasn't contacted the authorities because he's convinced Martinet is capable of anything, including murder. Harmony decides to be helpful by telling Dreer the human fly is a charlatan, which prompts the crew to jump in to defend the fly. Dreer starts to walk away until the fly tells Dreer he's read about his daughter, who has been crippled by polio. Get those vaccinations, people. The fly agrees to help, with the caveat that Dreer call the police or FBI if he fails. Back in the present, the human fly continues his climb, finally reaching a large ledge with a cave. But suddenly, a private jet roars out of the cave, knocking the fly loose. Falling, the human fly uses his steel mesh fiber cape to catch onto an outcropping rock, slamming him into the cliff face and leaving him hanging above the drop. The fly radios to his crew, who have been circling the area in a plane, to update them on the situation. Next, the fly uses the propellant charge in his baton, the baton's getting a workout in this issue, to shoot the top out like a bola to catch another outcropping and begins to climb up once again. At the top, the fly comes upon two masked and robed guards who he quickly dispatches using a surprise grab and with the bola-like baton. Using one of the unconscious guard's robes, the human fly sneaks into the fortress and overhears guards talking about the kidnapped Lexi. The human fly dispatches the guards and soon finds a drugged Lexi. But just as he's formulating a rescue, the fly is conked on the head with a rifle butt and, dazed, looks up to see armed guards and the menace of a fully costumed Mr. Martinet. Appropriately, we end on a cliffhanger. Next issue, Rocky Mountain Nightmare. Rob, (laughs) where to begin? Well, can we start at the very end? I'm pretty sure that Rocky Mountain Nightmare was that Halloween hit that John Denver had. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think many had that novelty song. I think that you know. very, very little known. Not, not a lot of people have known about that B-side, but yeah. No. Yeah. Right. It was a B-side. That's true. Yeah. He was like, I want to get on some, some Halloween money. So, okay. Wow. This comic. Okay. The first thing I have to point out, and it's only one panel, but why is Martinet in the costume? I, you know, it's so funny that when I got to the end of this comic, and the, the the goon, the one goon calls him Mr. Martinet. And I realized that that's his name. Right. But at the same time, he's got an M <laughs> on his shirt. So I'm like, is that his supervillain name? Is he really going to be go like in a, yeah. in, a, in a world with Dr. Doom and the vulture 
and the super adaptoid. This guy's going to go by Mr. Martinet. Mr. I mean, like, Martinet. Like, uh, what is, Rob, yeah. he's already got the checks. They, they, already have, they already have that name on it. He can't change it now. I, yeah. I mean, it's like there's that was that commercial about the, 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 the paper towels, Clorinette. And it was like, you, you know, and it was Mr. Martinet. Like, really? <laughs> That's his name? Like, what? So that was, yeah, I, I was like, I did like a triple take when I saw I was like, wait. Is he really? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, now I wish he had gotten a no hot move listing just so it could have been Mr. Martinet. But that's <laughs> Mr. Crazy. Martinet. Yeah. Part of the part of the Fly's Rogues Gallery. Oh, his August Rogues Gallery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I said, this issue, I mean, a lot happens in this issue. I mean, that, that felt like a long summary. And I left out a lot of details. It's only 17 pages. Yeah. The stories, this is back when comic books were half ads. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, I when I was re- again when I was reading it, and like I said, I'm reading. I'm not reading ahead. I'm reading one at a time because to mm. me it's more fun, kind of that way. But like you know, like we're just fully immersed in the Marvel universe, <laughs> where on page three he's attacked by a giant robot condor. Like that's just yeah. like, and and of course the first page is a splash page so that, that barely doesn't mm-hmm. even count as story. So basically, we're one. How many panels here? We're five panels into the story when it's like all right now bring in the giant robot contour <laughs> it's like we have abandoned any sense that this is a real person i mean <laughs> on the top of the comic the wildest superhero ever because he's real right okay he's real and he's about to be attacked by a giant <laughs> robot, robot condor. yeah all right okay all right everybody let's just strap in come on and it is it is a big condor i mean what? it is like it's big enough for him to ride Approximate cost forty billion dollars to make this thing. <laughs> By the way, I love. I I don't know why I have I have to examine this in myself, but like my, one of my favorite things about Hawkman, and I, believe me, I'm going to wind it back to Human Fly. One of the things I love about Hawkman is when he had that mace, that mm-hmm. giant mace. I just love that mace. Like to me, that's like the most badass weapon—a giant metal ball with spikes. Right. And I love the Human Fly's baton. I love it. I un, I love it beyond the, any rational reason why I love it. So I love it more than Aquaman's trident. I love this. Baton. Wow. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't need the trident, but I love the baton. So I love on page uh, six. He he straddles the condor and stabs it in the eye with the baton. Yeah. And like that is such a bit. Ba- and then the next panel, he just bunks it on the head. <laughs> I love it. I love that he's just like dispensing pain with this baton. And it, I think I said this in, in one of the comments to your, uh, on the website, firewaterpodcast.com, to your previous episode. Like, there needed to be a human fly Mego doll. Oh there God. absolutely needed to be, and it had to come with the baton. Like, you, like yeah. you're like, oh, I'm always losing the baton. It, he, it, <laughs> in a weird way, it's like, it's such a unique item that, yeah. like, to me, it really becomes part of the character that he has this thing because it's not a walking it's not a cane he doesn't use it to walk he just uses it to beat the shit out of things (laughs) and i sorry i don't mean to curse on your show and it just i i just him stabbing it in the eye is just like awesome i love it and and like i said it gets a lot of use in this i mean he uses it uh well for yeah he uses it just basically as a club to beat the crap out of the <laughs> out of this robot bird it made me laugh so he just goes chuck and he just jams <laughs> it in the eye it's great and I, I like the way when when he hits it on the head it's like just a full swing i mean he is <laughs> just you know he's he is going for the fences with that <laughs> with that swing 
Yeah. And, you know, but later he uses it to shock a shark. He, it has Ebola. And, you know, apparently it can, it can shoot out the, cause the, let me, well, let me describe it to people. It's, it's about what, maybe half the length of a, of a walking cane. Right. With a round ball on the top. And that's it. You know, and apparently supposedly it's supposed to be balanced because that's what it, that ostensibly that's what the, what the, <laughs> what the baton is for. It's, it's so he can balance when he's walking high wires and stuff like that. But it also created electric shocks. It has this bola in it for some <laughs> for oh, some unknown I love reason. It so much. It is a, like you said, is such a unique thing for any character to be carrying around, and so apparently useful. <laughs> Great, <laughs> the fly, no matter what he's doing, it's fantastic. And I mean, like I love the cape also. But I would give up great. the cape before I gave up the baton. Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, I love the cape. I love the half cape. I think the whole costume is great. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, that, that baton is great. And just this whole sequence with this robot condor, like, I totally <laughs> can see this is something that uh, Ray Harryhausen would have had in one of his movies. Clapping. <laughs> it's great. Again, it's just like, it's so Marvel Universe of mm-hmm. 1977-78. <laughs> and I just love how unapologetic they are about it. They're just like, yeah, right. Giant robot condor kills it. All right, now let's move on to the meat of our story. Right. Okay. Yeah. They, they don't give any real background about uh, Martinette, not, at least not yet, and I don't think even later, except that he's rich. And right. apparently that's all you need. <laughs> you, know, oh, you don't well, need to yeah. know where he got, how, who designed this thing, who built it, nothing. All you need to know is he's got robot condors. There you go. I, I mean, look, we live in a world where billionaires are doing even more ridiculous things with their money. So right. who, who are we to begrudge Martinette for building a giant robot condor? Right. It's not like he went to space or anything. Exactly. But as you mentioned, this is a heck of a way to start a, a comic. <laughs> and it's, a, it's a, like you mentioned, it's a splash page. And it's one of two splash pages yes. in this issue. And they're, they're wonderful. <laughs> the, the first one is, is a close-up of the, of the fly. Uh, and we're, we're kind of looking up at him as he's climbing this cliff face and we can see the fortress up above him and you know, he's just muscled and he's, and it's the same thing I've said about the covers. And also this is a, it's a, it's a wonderful cover also because you can really see the wind and how he's up, you know, you, the, the horizon is slightly below him. It's, it's a wonderful cover. The cover and these splash pages are just so dynamic and you can kind of see the person who would be underneath this costume but what Mantlo did a really good job of establishing is how human the human fly is. Even in this comic, there's a part where he, he hits someone in the jaw and he is thinking to himself, oh, my hand, <laughs> that's going to hurt later because he can already feel the, the stinging of, of hitting someone in the jaw. You never hear Thor complain about that. <laughs> but you know, the, the fly is just a guy. It's because he's real, Max. It's because he's real. <laughs> Exactly. And uh, as long as I'm talking about um, splash pages, the second splash page is in in the flashback. I love this splash page. It is one of my... Go go ahead and describe it. Why don't you describe it? Well, we say we see it's the human fly is chained up in this tank with these two sharks circling him as everyone is watching him because he's doing one of these stunts. And uh, Lee Elias, man, this is another one of these guys who, when I was a kid, I did not like his artwork. I was like, ah, that's ugly. And now that I'm what I pass for as an adult, I love it. I love his work. It's got an energy. It looks not too dissimilar. 
I, I, I hate that I'm always complimenting artists by saying that they look like other artists because that feels like kind of a back-ended compliment. I don't mean it to be. But it looks a lot like Milton Kniff. Like, it has that Milton Kniff energy, which, you know, that's, yeah, that's a good it. thing. And the layout of this page and the way – I don't want to, like, oversell it. It's not like it's the greatest thing ever. But just I, the way that Lee Elias drew the shark on the top swimming kind of in a curve and then the one at the bottom kind of curving up – but the way that they, um, they that uh, the, the Elias drew it, and then the the colorist uh, colored it, he leaves the big belly of the shark in white. So except for the panel border, it kind of looks like the panel itself is ending at the curve of the shark. I know that I'm describing it; it's yeah. not making a lot of sense. And hopefully, you can push this page up on the, yeah, on the gallery. But like it makes the page have more of like a curve to it, and it draws your eye, and like your eye goes from the the little the, the little uh, caption to the shark kind of winding its way, curving to the human fly, and then you catch the bottom curve of the shark coming around. So it's like visually, it's really nice. And again, it's mm-hmm. sort of almost like the story starts over. It's like, hey, everybody, here's a couple of pages of a robot condor. Now let's get to our story. <laughs> like, right? It's like imagine if the human fly was like a TV show. The cold open would be the robot condor, and then they would do the rice aroni ad, and then the credits, and then like now let's actually start the episode. You're like, wow, I'm really getting a lot of bang for my buck. Here. I, I would have watched every show, every episode. Would have been great. I would have, well, I wouldn't have skipped Mash for the Human Fly, but it would have been close. <laughs> I would have skipped Dukes of Hazard for the. Yeah, but you, like you're saying, you know, the composition is great, and this series is what actually really made me appreciate Lee Elias because I can rarely find any flaw with his work. You know, it's it like you said, it's not going to, you know, blow anyone's, you know, mind or anything like that when they see it. But it's better than solid. You can see that he is putting thought into his panels. He's not just throwing things in there. You know, he's he's not just scribbling things out because he goes, I got, you know, another another licensed comic, whatever. <laughs> you know, he he is he is actually thinking about those things, you know, and I never noticed that about the the Great White, because of course it's a great white. The you know, Jaws mm-hmm. came out just a few years before this day. Of course, yes. Yeah, that's a great way of bringing an open-endedness to this uh, panel, which is interesting considering that, you know, he is he is trapped. You know, he is chained to this big block of stone. <laughs> He's got two sharks circling around him. Um, and like you said, I love the curve because one is curving in one direction, the other is curving in the other, but they're yep. both heading for the for the fly. Yeah. And, you know, the human fly is dead center in the middle. You can see his, his, uh, the bubbles from his oxygen, you know, tube that he's using, uh, going up. You can see the surface of the water and it's, and that's broken by the tiles of the, of whatever pool he's in. And down toward the, uh, bottom left, you can see, a uh, an observation window and you see all these people and a, and a camera and you can see the crew and they're all looking at the at the fly from a distance as he's as he's trying to pull off this stunt there's just there's a a lot to look at in this panel but it's not busy no it's great it's wonderfully laid out it's great i mean lee elias was one of those guys whose style was i think on the way out in terms of comic books cuz you've got mm-hmm. john byrne coming in and george perez coming in and frank miller people who were raised on comics and were bringing a really kind of like cinematic uh, you know, dynamis, dynas, dynaism, dyna. I don't know how to say that word. Um, <laughs> it was really exciting. Let's just say, and I mean, and I love all those guys, obviously, but I think that people's, I think like a Frank Robbins or like a George Tuska, where these were guys who cut their teeth on kind of crime comics and older genres. 
And I think modern audiences were just like, eh, this just doesn't. And part of the thing that bothers me is like, I, I'm going to, again, I'm not reading ahead, but I did look and see that like he was paired a lot with like a lot of different inkers. Every issue practically is like a different right. anchor. And I feel like that's almost like, I think there's a, there's a slight kind of disrespect for Lee Elias that it's like, oh, let's just throw, no, 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 no knock on Don Perlin who inked this issue. But to me, it's like, I think if you're a kid and you're looking at Lee Elias, you're a little like, eh, I don't know, because it looks so different right. from book to book because they're just handing it over to different anchors to get it out. Nevertheless, I still like a lot of the distinct faces that Lee Elias mm-hmm. puts across. I mean, the next page right after that, where they got the one guy, He's got the guy with the cigar and he's talking and he's like, what is he saying? He's like, look at uh, look over here. I'm holding him respond. I'm holding you responsible. And he's got the cigar. And like, that's a really distinctive looking face. And it's mm-hmm. all Lee Elias. So I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of him now. And right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, that, uh, that promoter, the one, the one that you were just mentioning, uh, who actually says, if he dies, I'm holding you responsible. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, he, you know, to me, that's, that looks like a very Kirby-esque kind of face. I appreciate the effort and one and one thing I always like in comics and that it was kind of lost for a while and but I like the fact that even in the crowd scene, every person has a different looking face. No one looks the same. Yep. That takes work. That's yes. that's not a that, that's not something that you just throw off. And and I appreciate that. I really do. I never learned how to do it. All my faces look the same when I draw them. <laughs> I've never learned how to do it. That's why I knock other artists who can't do it because I'm mad I can't do it either. But yeah, Leo, it's great. They're very, they're just on the edge of cartoony. Mm-hmm. It's just on that edge, but he still retains that kind of basic, you know, Marvel superhero anatomy guy. And again, I love the way he draws the sharks. That whole sequence is great. So yeah, I, I like I said, I think it's, I'm sure that the human fly was not considered an A project. Uh, right. by marvel so they were like all right like, we're not gonna again forgive me for using this phrase like we're not gonna waste george perez you mm-hmm. know on although he did logan's run that was a licensed product but you know what i mean they weren't gonna use one of their like top guys uh when they could get them on x-men or avengers or whatever so they get let's get an older guy leah last he's probably still looking for work and we can get him to do this right. but i don't know i i really like the work he did for this book yeah you know and i have to give some credit also to uh don warfield the colorist because, you know, he is working with a, <laughs> with a lot of different environments. You know, the, there's a panel on, uh, on page 11 where, you know, that was part of the, the uh, shark stunt. And it's, you know, most of what you see of, of, the, of, the, of the human fly underwater is full color, you know, nothing like that. But there's a panel there where it's all a shade of blue, mm-hmm. you know, just to give you that, that, you know, to remind readers, you know, he, he's underwater. This is all happening, you know, somewhere inherently dangerous, you know, <laughs> never mind the sharks, but you know, it, it's, it gives you a nice sense of, of place. And I, I think the colors in general work really well because as I mentioned, there's, especially in the beginning here, there's a lot of people and you know, the colors doesn't give everyone blue jackets and everything. You know, there's, there's uh, people with striped shirts and, and different kinds of uniforms and, white ties and you know it's you know again it, it's something that could have been easily tossed off but everyone everyone involved kind of just makes the effort mm-hmm. and of course Mantlo is is at his manlowest uh <laughs> he, he seems to at this point he seems to be really hitting his stride um and by which i mean his his uh like his intro text is extremely florid <laughs> and mm-hmm. and really kind of 
sells uh, what uh, you're seeing here. And I'm, I'm going to read the first uh, couple of panels here from the first splash page. They told him from the start that it was a suicide climb, dangerous enough during the day, even for the most experienced climber, but deadly, impossible after sundown. He listened, and then he began his torturous ascent, for there was a life at stake, and he was the human fly. I mean, come on. <laughs> that is very florid, yes. <laughs> and he's he goes ri- on like that for a couple of pages. He's writing the human fly like he's Captain America, like he's that <laughs> level impressive. Yes. And that, that, that's good. You got to do it. You got to take the gig seriously. You know what? And I think that's a very good point. I think that is what I like so much about it. At no time in, in this series is the human fly treated as a joke. Right. You know, it, it's, he's taken seriously by the characters, you know, within his world. And he's taken, care, taken seriously by the creators. And that really shows through. Yeah. I mean, you know, you want kids to part with 40 cents, you know, it's mm-hmm. got to be a real thing. It can't just be a gag. So, yeah. I mean, it's, Mantlo's got one arm, one arm tied behind his back and that we can't know the identity of the human fly. Right. And he's always covered up by, you know, this mask all the time. Again, not that that's ruined. I mean, Darth Vader works as a character. You don't see his face either. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's got to convince you. He's doing, like, the Stan Lee thing. Stan Lee would have written it the same way with that kind of level of impressiveness. Like, every right. Stan Lee character was the greatest creation in the history of Western civilization. <laughs> Mantlo's not going that far, but, like, just he writes it. I mean, all the, the, the captions with the sharks, you know, the sharks have lost either way. I mean, just so, <laughs> so, so exciting. Now I wanted Rom to meet Human Fly. Oh, and they were both wow. Mantlo books. Now I'm like, oh, why didn't they do that? That would have been great. That's the only uh, crossover with the, the crazier Marvel Universe I would accept now is the Human Fly and uh, Rocket Raccoon. That would be good. That would be awesome. <laughs> that would be great. Totally. So, so you, you mentioned before, and we had talked about this. I talked about this in the last uh, episode with uh, Steve Givens. So you don't think his uh, anonymity would have been able to be something that was uh, – you don't think that would have gone uh, much farther? I think that's hard to draw it out uh, for really long periods of time. I think it's just it, – at a certain point – you're kind of like, all right, just tell me who it is already. Like, I, I think it's really tough to balance. Like, the only other comic I could think that did something like that, and this is how friggin' old I am, is the 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 DC sixty series, the Secret Six, the original version, mm. where one of the this guy that ran the Secret Six, he like organized the Secret Six. We didn't know who his identity was, and that was like the mystery. And that book only lasted like seven issues. I think it's. Right. I think yeah, at some point you have to just you're like, all right, just answer this. And especially Human Flies, the main guy and especially even further the marvel universe where every superhero is like filled with angst and like word balloons mm. and thought balloons and we know every piece of their inner workings <laughs> right. it's so hard to write a marvel character it's sort of funny in a weird way the human fly is almost more appropriate as like an 80s dc miniseries mm. i can see dc had like silver blade and nathaniel dusk and like they were doing a lot of weird genre crossover yeah. pieces i could have seen the human fly doing that and of course stuntmen were kind of out you know by that time but in a weird way i could sort of see like you know gene cullen draws the human fly like i could sort right. of that's an interesting thing because i could totally see this character in dc and i could even see it because uh, you mentioned you know like nathaniel dusk and things like that i could see uh or cinder and ash which was a which was a really interesting uh series the, yeah Praise be his name. And, uh, you know, I could see this working very well in DC, actually, just as, uh, you know, you can even say, oh, since the stuntman trend was already, you know, on its way out at this point, uh, I could see them saying, well, you know, well, 
the human fly, a washed up stuntman, decides to use his skills to you know help other people and things. Like, you know, I could totally see that. Yeah, except in his first issue, Batman would have shown up. Oh, uh, big difference. Well, uh, yeah, they got it. That, that is sell true. It. That how is to true. sell it. <laughs> I'll be watching you, human fly. <laughs> All right, Batman. Thank you. Yeah, the fly's like what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see that too. I, I kind of feel like Mantlow is trying to put a lot. He's trying to he's trying to flesh out the character in this issue, not necessarily as an individual, which I think it, it hurts the character after a while because you, like you said, you don't know anything about the fly as a person, and the things that you do know, for you know his family dying in an accident and that sort of thing, are not touched upon after they're mentioned. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's it. And so he's kind of this blank slate, but you, you do see him in the context of how he works with his crew. And you also see more of his gadgets. You know, yep. like we mentioned the baton, the cape apparently has a steel mesh in it, you know, which of course I, it does, you know, and I'm not, I'm not sure why any of these things do the things they do, but uh, there, there it is. There's some more references to his skeleton, you know, with the, which was replaced mostly with steel so that you know that because that's how he's able to grip onto the, the side of the cliff. And that's also how he manages to guide the drone uh, as like a, almost like a hang glider. And he mentions also, <laughs> he, it's a shout out to Spider-Man. He goes, well, I saw Spider-Man do just all these things are, are kind of coming together. Spoiler, a lot of this doesn't necessarily pop up later. <laughs> but I think Mantle was trying things and abandoning things almost as quickly oh sure i mean if i've read some stuff about marvel in the 70s and like they were really flying by the seat of their pants back then because it's like they were they were cranking out so many books and like editors and editor editors in chief is that the way you say it is it like attorneys (laughs) general kind of thing (laughs) editors in chief were like moving constantly they were constantly changing hands so nobody knew who was in charge and like they were just so I, I would imagine. And then a lot of the writers became sort of de facto editors. Now here we got mm-hmm. Archie Goodwin, who we know was a very good editor, but in a lot of ways, a lot of these writers were just, it was just like, here, you know, just, you're basically editing the book yourself. So yeah, right. Mantlo. And of course, Mantlo was writing what? Like probably eight books at the time. Right. <laughs> it's just cranking <laughs> this material out. Yeah. He probably just didn't have a lot of time to like, really think about like, wait, did I, did I leave a plot thread stranding in issue one? I don't know. That giant metal bird. All right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I think Matlow had a, a purity to the way he wrote comics. I think he never thought, oh, I am going to, you know, he was never trying to write Watchmen. You know? <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. Was, Bill Matlow's Watchmen. <laughs> Can oh you God. imagine? Salbucema. <laughs> <laughs> what would that even look like? Oh, God. <laughs> If anyone has any ideas, put it in the comments. Yeah, I'll be, yeah, please. Let's. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! That would be amazing. But they are pure uncut fun. Yeah. And a lot of times, that's all I want from a comic. Yeah. And that's that's what I love about the Human Flies. They are pure. They, if you want a uh, a comic booky comic, get yourself the Human Fly. Yeah, I mean, for thirty five cents, you've got Dave Cockrum's cover. Of mm-hmm. human fly being attacked by again a giant metal bird, like what? What right. else do you? What else are you expecting? I mean, what? <laughs> like, I will say, I I don't mean to jump ahead, but I'm look. I have the original comics, as I said. I've been buying these on, mm-hmm. on eBay. Thank God your show is not driving the price up just yet. But um, <laughs> of course, I'm reading the uh, the letters pages. Yeah, and there's a really interesting letter because this is the first issue with a letters page. Yes, uh, it's the because, first one. I mean, yeah. 
And there's a really Fly interesting flypapers. Fly great name. <laughs> there's a there's a really interesting letter from a, a guy named Rich Fitfield who mm-hmm. is in love with the human fly concept even more than you are, Max. Yeah. And he is like beseeching the Marvel editors to kind of like make this a different book where he's like saying the human fly has the opportunity to be like the first pacifist kind of super action character because he's not a superhero. He's not going to be beating people up. He's doing things to, to make people's lives better through the, through his, his skill and his money. Please don't abandon that concept. Now, of course, I'm sure, I don't know what Mr. Fitfield <laughs> thought about this book, you know, a couple of right. maybe as we go on, maybe he wrote in more letters, but it's really interesting that this, this guy, this young guy, saw such potential mm-hmm. in making the human fly to be so different than what the Marvel universe was offering. And it was like, he, he really went for it, this kid. Yeah. You know, and he makes a very precise distinction in saying that the human fly is not a crime fighter. He's not out there looking for, uh, you know, criminals to bust or, or, you know, he doesn't go on patrol. These things just happen right. <laughs> around him and he pitches in because he figures he can help. Yeah, this is a very heartfelt letter. If you're if you're out there, Mr. Rich Fitfield, you, know, <laughs> you got to get him on the show, man. If you can yeah, find him, yeah. got to get him in. Yeah. I mean, he's really, uh, yeah, it's it's almost touching in a weird way. Of like, this kid is finding something in this character that like he wasn't expecting, and he it's a very eloquent letter. And he's not like mm-hmm. a jerk about it. Like he's like, please just let keep this concept pure the way it can be and marvel's like okay well we we hope so and you're like well yeah he just met ghost rider so okay (laughs) (laughs) you know okay you got to give it up to to uh, archie goodwin too he doesn't just blow off this letter the way he does some of the other letters (laughs) but but he uh he actually gives he actually responds and he touches on the points that that our buddy rich here brings up and i you know i think that's that's nice and i understand what he's saying too because the the letter writer is essentially saying, I love this. Please don't ruin it. Mm-hmm. You know, which is something that has been twisted into something different, I think, <laughs> nowadays. But he is coming from a place, I think, where he just says, this is so different and this is so unique and I love it. Please just keep going in the direction. He's not saying, he's not even saying change, change something or he's just saying, please keep going in the direction that you're going. And even to expand on that, just keep true to this character that you've created. And for someone who has only read what, maybe the first two issues at this point, or I maybe even just the first, first really. Yeah. yeah. He has really kind of put his finger on what this character is about. Yeah. I said, it's, it's, it's neat that the, he's that passionate about it this, this early on. And so, you know, I'm, I'm sort of curious to see where, again, I'm only reading it one at a time. Right. So yeah, I mean, some of the craziness of the Marvel universe, but, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not, and again, he's, he's kind of fight, he's finding a super villain at the end of this issue. Uh, or he's, or, wow, as close as Mr. Martinet gets to being a superhero. But, but yeah, I mean, there is something intrinsic about saying, like, okay, this guy wants to do good and he's doing it in a kind of big, loud way, obviously being a stuntman and all this stuff. Right. But then the Marvel Universe is such that trouble finds its way to him, almost sticking to him like flypaper. Oh. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Hashtag Dr. Andy. Oh. And, uh, uh, but I kind of, that's a fun idea that like, he doesn't want to be a superhero, but the Marvel universe is such that it's <laughs> going to make you a superhero <laughs> right. by hook or by crook. Right. 
Yeah, and and we saw that in the in the first issue with Spider Man, and and it comes up later in the in the series where people keep saying he's a superhero, and he is just very adamant in saying, "No, I'm not." <laughs> you know, and I mean, want to be. I mean, you know, how much can he really protest considering right, the way he right. dresses? I mean, come on, man, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, I have to say, it would have been funny. I, I in another universe, I would have loved if the human fly, if Mantlo had decided every issue is going to feature a Marvel character showing up just mm-hmm. just go with it and turn this book into like human fly team up would have been yeah. amazing so it's that like you know it like by the time he Batman. gets yeah right exactly so like by the time we're up to like issue 17 it's like the champions are showing up <laughs> you know <The> defenders <laughs> yeah <laughs> mantlo's like all right who i got left uh hmm, all right I don't know. howard the duck can he show up with the human fly like oh, great. oh my god great <laughs> You are promising things that you cannot deliver, Rob I, Kelly. I know. These, I'm are, sorry. I'm sorry, these, are, these are things I, de- I desperately want now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a lot of ways that this this character could have, uh, I guess, continued. And that's, you know, that's something that I've been asking uh, and I will be asking everybody. First of all, do you think the human fly could have or should have continued after its last issue, issue 19? And do you think there would be a place for the character today? Well, yeah. I mean, I think... I think any concept is worth pursuing if you find a, a, unique, a unique way to do it. I don't think there's any concept that's so bad. I mean, there's got to be some, but like for the most part, I think, yeah. I mean, why not? Again, if, if Mantlo can get 60 plus issues and three annuals out of ROM, he can certainly get, you know, more than 19 out of the human fly. And nowadays I actually think, it, he would have, he would work. Like I, I think again, I think I left a comment on the the, the website about it. Like Johnny Knoxville needs mm-hmm. to play the human fly in the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe. Just straight up does. Um, that would be awesome. Yeah, I mean the guy is all about like making a splash, getting the media involved. He's perfect for social media. He's mm-hmm. perfect for like, hey everybody, check out my YouTube videos where I'm going to jump off a cliff. <laughs> And do this, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I would think it would. I think it would totally work. I don't I, know. I could, I could even see that maybe making the human fly younger. You know, so he's like maybe even an older teenager, young twenties, and he's got his gang of friends who are acting. You know, who uh, you know step in for the crew, and yeah, he's just doing YouTube videos with some homemade, <laughs> you know, human fly costume. Yeah, doing these things and getting you know mixed up in these adventures. I could totally see that. Oh, oh, now, so now we're really, now we're really blue skying it here. But now, so like the new human fly is inspired by the old one. That's oh, how you do it. That's yeah. easy. So it's a lega sequel where he's oh. like the new human fly. <laughs> and, and he's like, well, I know, like, I know, I know this is not the comic book we're talking about because now we're pitching a human fly movie that will never happen. <laughs> but he's like, he's a new guy who's like, I'm inspired by the human fly and I'm, and he made it. He survived, and then the human fly has to come out of retirement to save this kid's life. Because this I kid is, like, dangerous. That. This kid is, like, because he's an idiot and he wants to draw <laughs> YouTube views, uh, he does crazy things. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that would, yeah. be, that would be perfect. Like, I her, love that. Yeah, yeah, you can even have it be, like, you know, the, what happened in real life. The human fly just kind of disappeared for all this time, but he, and then he comes back because he's he got to come out of kid. retirement yeah. to save this kid's life. And he doesn't oh. want to, cause he's like, I've been, I managed to keep my secret all these decades, but now I mm-hmm. got to come out to save this dumb kid's life because he's inspiring other people. Right. And he's using my name to do he's it. Using my name to do it. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Oh, Oh, well done. Well done. Kevin Feige, are you listening? 
yeah, I I love that idea. It's it's totally doable. There's this character. <laughs> this character is such uh in a weird in a way because of the way they did it. He's such a cipher. Yeah. Uh, right. He, then you can imprint yeah. so many things onto him then. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, you've mentioned it and I think uh other people have mentioned it, but in this, you know, YouTube TikTok era, there's plenty of room for that. Yeah. There's completely uh, a space for that. Yep, completely. And a completely unrelated note, because we're actually going to talk about the comic book for a second, back again, mm-hmm. is when I love Human Fly when he dresses in the, he goes incognito and he's in like the hood mm-hmm. and the robe. So because he's, 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 uh, and he's beating up, uh, he's trying to hide from Martinette's goons. I love in comic books where superheroes that are wearing full on costumes then put another costume on over the <laughs> costume they're wearing. And it's like, that's like a billion degrees. <laughs> it's like, imagine wearing a, ma- a face mask all the time and then putting a robe on over that. It's like, oh my God, I'm going to die. It's so hot. And, and these are not like light looking robes. These, these no, are like they're made they out look, of burlap. Yeah, this is like the human fly in the name of the rose. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> It's just great. I love, I always love when Batman puts like a mask over his mask and you're like, how uncomfortable does that got to be? (laughs) For God's sake. So I just, I love the whole James Bond to it because that's a very James Bondy thing. It was like Mm -hmm. a mountaintop thing. So I am, I have not read issue four yet. I'm dying to see where issue four goes when we talk about it in the next issue. Yep. You know, talking about the the goons is you know Martinet <laughs> didn't spare no expense. You know, he not only bought himself this God, what is that yellow, green, and black <laughs> costume, yeah, great, yep, with that stylized M on it, and a belt too. Got an yeah, M on his belt. Yeah, and 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 the whole thing covers his face. It's sort of like a a weird Spider Man-y Sandman thing. Yeah, going it's kind on. of like a Sandman thing. Yeah, yeah, yep. yep. But he also bought costumes for his goons. They're all wearing masks and costumes. Green tunics, and, yep, and yeah. blue masks, yep. Yeah, you know, he's, you know, say what you will about Mr. Martinet, but he's not cheap. Now, oh, man, he's willing to spend the money. I love it. Yeah. I also just, Lee Elias game, man. I got to wax this guy's car smart. I love the goon on the last panel, the last page. And he just says, uh, where, where Martinet is threatening, and he says, uh, you know, you're going to pay for that mistake. And he's like, just give us the wide, Mr. Martinet. I'm adding the Brooklyn accent, by yeah. the way. But I love like the the smile on his face. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's cartoony. Both both he's got an he's got an earring too, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> but I just love the big grin on his face. Again, it's it's cartoony. It's right on the edge of Mad Magazine level cartoony. Mm-hmm. But it's he reins it in just enough. But I just I don't know. It's very distinctive to me. It's I don't know. I mean, it, it just. It, I, I just you and man, Lee Elias. I guess just I'm really impressed. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Work. And I don't. I also don't blame you for giving him that Brooklyn accent because I was going to mention this too. All the guards sound like they were like they were pulled out of off of the street somewhere because uh, they're all saying, you know, why don't you go get some grub? I'll stand guard for a while, you know. And yeah, well, that's like that's the fly talking like them. But he's, you know, the fly is trying to get some information out of him, and one of them says, "Where's the girl?" And the guard says, up in the tower where her old man will never reach her. The old man gets out of politics, pays to get her back, and it's going to be gravy days for us all, pal. Gravy (laughs) days. And they all talk like that. That, I said that. Remember that? The day that we launched the Patreon? I said, it's going to be gravy days for us, guys. It's going to be gravy days, pal. Yep. (laughs) You know? So, yeah, it's like he he hired the Bowery Boys. (laughs) (laughs) I'll moinalize you. (laughs) Great. You know, I, I love it. It's it's a it's a it's a great comic, and I can't wait 
to cover the next issue with you because oh, that, I'm so excited! I can't wait to see where this goes. To see oh, what it, becomes of Mr. Martinet. I, I am going to tell you now. There is a twist. Ooh. And it is a twist that blew my mind. Oh my! <laughs> so, wow! All right. So yeah, I, I hope you're not overselling this, Max. I mean, geez. No, no, no. I don't think I am. I don't okay. Think, All right. <laughs> I'm excited to find out. Obviously, from what you've been saying, you you're, you're going to continue to <laughs> to read uh, more uh, Human Fly comics. Would you uh, recommend this to other people? I I mean, it depends on who we're talking about. Like the average comic book. Well, I don't even have anything to comment with the comic the current comic book reader. I don't know what that who that even is anymore. Um, people my age, people that are ready to die. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, because it's it, but you know what you're get like you know what you're getting from a seventies. You know what I mean? It's like you kind of yeah. like if you're if you're expecting a modern comic book, you're gonna walk away from this like what the hell was this? But like <laughs> yeah. if you if you know Marvel in the seventies, and it's just the kind of seat of your pants crazy concepts let's just everything moves at a million miles an hour I, I, yeah i would i would say yeah it's really enjoy it's a nice off-brand marvel book in that mm-hmm. there's the main thrust of the marvel universe and it's spider-man adventures and cap and hulk and you know all the all the usual suspects but marvel needs you know they can't just do eight books they got to do a whole line and you need fillers like this and some of them like micronauts like i said like they take off or star wars they become like huge things some of them don't, but I don't know. This, I I think this is a fun. I've I've read three issues so far, and I've not been disappointed with any of them. <laughs> you know, and that's a good point because I I that is something I miss about modern comics and and Marvel in particular. I don't need it all to tie into the X Men or the Avengers. Yeah. Uh, every every single time, and you know, Marvel used to be really good at this. The spaghetti style of of making comics of just you know throw it against the wall, see what sticks. Don't worry about what, what lands on the floor. Let's just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep going. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, this is the same time as like they're publishing Warlock. Yeah. They're publishing, you know, I mean, they're just all, again, the, the license books, they're just all over the place. And I, I enjoy that. I kind of like that, you know, I mean, I, much as I enjoy the homogenized Marvel universe, there's something fun to like the little corners of like, okay, you know, the human fly doesn't take on Dr. Doom, but he takes on Mr. Martinet. He's got like the D level version of that guy. All right. right. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Was there anything else you want to say about this issue of the fly? Uh, not really. Like I said, it's, it's, I kind of like that they soft peddled the, the whole reporter trying to find out who he is thing. Mm-hmm. Like they kind of pushed that off to the side. Like human fly, you don't know much about him and that can be a, deficit but to me i still found him a compelling interesting figure and i'm less interested in the soap opera with the characters around him Mm -hmm. uh now i know they'll probably get more into that but i sort of like that in this issue it's they push them off to this like they're only in it like just basically a couple of panels right and it's mostly this adventure story with the human fly which i wish mantlo would continue with i'm assuming he does not i don't know again i'm not reading ahead but i kind of like that the human fly was center stage through this whole issue yeah, I mean it is his name at the top of the, <laughs> the top of the book. Exactly. Thank you so much, Rob. I, I'm really I've been waiting to talk to you about <laughs> about the human fly for oh my god years now. You Probably. mentioned human. You mentioned human fly cast like two years ago, and I was <laughs> like, what do we have to do to make this happen? <laughs> because I really, I mean, it's like okay, I, you know, fine. There's shows about Superman and Spider Man and all those like, 
marquee names. I do one of them myself, and that's great. But I also think there's something to be said for taking a look at the little, again, like the little weird corners of the comic book universe. And so I am really glad that there is going to be a whole show just devoted to the human fly. And years from now, Max, there will be some kid who will be looking through pie if pie still exists. Uh, we're not living all under <laughs> underwater at that point. But like he 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 or she goes for a pie and he's like, I wonder if there's even like an episode about the human fly. And then they'll be like, oh my God, there was a whole show <laughs> devoted to the human fly. Like, wow. That'll be so awesome. Oh man. Well, Rich I, Fitfield, I, I hope you're out there. <laughs> you have an iPhone. Well, I, I hope if that kid ever 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 does come across this, I hope he'll he'll drop me a line. I hope so. All right. Well, thank you so much, Rob. I, I really appreciate uh, you coming on the show, and it's always fun to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm very excited to see you. I'm, I'm excited to be back next issue, next month, yeah. for the next issue, and then just see where else the series goes after this. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait. It's going to be great. And, uh, of course, thank you to our listeners. The Death Defined Human Flycast is a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. If you'd like to subscribe or leave a comment for the Human Flycast, you can do that on our website at fireandwaterpodcast.com or on Apple Podcasts. You can also find the Human Flycast on Twitter at humanflycast, and be sure to follow and tag the network with hashtag FWPodcasts. You can also reach me at humanflycast at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the Fire and Water Podcast Network, go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash FWPodcasts, where you can make a one-time or monthly contribution and unlock various rewards, including getting name-checked on this or any network show of your choice. Who wouldn't want to be name-checked on the Human Flycast? Support the network and reap the rewards. And remember, the wildest superheroes are real. Real.